everybody jj cooper josh norris here another baseball america prospect podcast we've got we've got jj and the bear here together and we're talking top 100 prospects we're talking top 100 prospects because you might have checked out baseballamerica.com you would see that we have a newly updated top 100 and we update it you know if graduations go on all through the year all through the season and it's been great to be able to do that because we didn't have you know graduations for half of the year last year but beyond that Every month during the season, we do a what we would call a more significant update. We gather everyone together. We talk it out. We move guys up. We move guys down. We move guys in. We move guys out. And if you check it out now at BaseballAmerica.com, we have our June update, which I would say is a, a, a significant update because more than anything, it's a significant update because this is the first time we've had real live actual minor league games since 2019. We have now a month of games to analyze a month of games to evaluate a month of games where we've been talking to scouts coaches everyone in the game to kind of gather as much information as we can and that makes it in some ways easier than it was at this time last year when we were not in this time last year but later last year when we were trying to gather information from alternate sites and things like that but josh i also feel like it's made it tougher than it did last year in some ways because we have data now, but a little data, a little information can be very tricky to, to work with. I mean, what, what do you think? Uh, yeah, that was, if, if you were listening to me talk uh, in our meetings, if you had us bugged, you would have heard me constantly railing about, yeah, we can't take too much from this alternate site because a lot of them are glorified live BPs or just infield, outfield or batting practice or whatever. You've got coaches playing the infield. Uh, there's something there, but not a whole lot. Uh, alternate sites instructional league was roughly the same thing. It wasn't, it's better than alternate sites because you're actually trying to compete a little bit, but you know, not every team had instructional league. The access to, for scouting was uh, few and far between and in some cases not allowed. Uh, and in some cases they were held in weird areas where you can't get a super good look. So this is the first time we've had data points where the lights have gone on and there's actual competition happening since 2019 since the, the triple-a championship game and let me tell you folks when we're trying to suss out rankings be it the top 30 the top 100 top well that's pretty much all we didn't do top 20s for leagues not no top 20 alternate site lists uh it's darn near impossible to suss out some of these things and I think some of our stuff was a reflection of that. We did the best we absolutely could, but there's only so much you can get without data. Because remember, you know, even in the best times, we're not scouts. And if we were, we didn't see anybody outside of maybe video here and there from, I mean, the, the Worcester Red Sox or Pawtucket, I guess, the Pawtucket alternate site uh, periscoped or live streamed every one of their games. We could see that. But other than that, it was pretty much nothing. So it was a super frustrating time to do lists. You couldn't overreact. You couldn't, you didn't really have those pop-up guys. I mean, there's guys like Quinn Priester who got really good reviews out of Instructs and we ran him, we juiced him up the board and now he's in high A doing okay. But you know, it was a tough year and it's 
been uh, a, for a few months or a month now of reacting to and trying not to overreact because there's some guys that have jumped way up the board and some guys that have scuffled and you don't want to go too nuts and throw everything into a, a Yahtzee dice tumbler and just let it spill but you also do want to react and get some of these names out there before anybody else does because when it comes down to it that's the name of the game and, and the thing about it is 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 that this is the tricky part of it is is that a month of data is there's a lot of signal, but there's also a whole lot of noise and you're trying to, <laughs> this is analog. This isn't digital to go really geeky with this. It's not something where it's either you get it or you don't. This is something where you want to properly adjust the rankings to react for real improvements in ceiling, in ability, in stuff, all those things. And at the same time, you don't want to react to slow starts or hot starts that over the course of a season are going to even out because you do this. I mean, again, if you're listening to this, you probably know this, but doing this every year, there are always players who have a month where they look, they're really, they're above their sea level. They're above their level of actual ability. And there are absolutely every year players who have a month. And sometimes it's because of an injury. Sometimes it's because they're just in a funk. Sometimes they're, they're not, they have lost their confidence, whatever it is. You know, they've lost their delivery. They're not feeling comfortable at the plate, whatever it is. We see this every year that there are players who it's like, nope, it's just not happening for them right now. But you don't want to overreact to that because those are often things that are going to even out over the course of the year. If you take any random 30-day period during the season and you said, show me all the stats across the minors, you would be able to say from that, well, this player looks terrible. It's like, no, actually, it was just his worst 30 days of the season. But at the same time, even when it comes to stuff, even when it comes to tools, when you talk about a pitcher, it's one thing to have a great couple of starts at the start of the season. That's great. Especially if you have a pitcher who's ahead of hitters, whose timing isn't back yet. But, but Josh, as you go out and you're at games a lot, which is awesome mm. to be able to be able to be back at that. But when you see a guy, you know, a starting pitcher who looks great or looks awful, that's even then that's just a, a piece of information. Is it not? For sure. I mean, if I go out and I were to make, you know, wild judgments based on one start, be it terrible or amazing, I wouldn't be doing my job. Now, granted, I don't get always the luxury of seeing that guy multiple times, unless he plays for Greensboro or Durham or whatever. Uh, but you do get to go there and make friends with scouts who probably have one team or the other there, and you get to talk to them about it. For example, um, if I had come to a game, let's I'll bring up one of my favorite helium guys, not a pitcher. It's, really, it's kind of off the beaten path here, but Joe Gray with Zebulon, with Zebulon, with Carolina. If I'd gone to see him one game, I could have seen 0 for 4 with three punch outs, but I might've also seen some tools in center field and some tools uh, on the bases. He can run, he can play center field. Okay. But I've been to a fair amount of Zebulon games this year. So the sweet, sweet mud cat slash micro brews. Um, and you see him every day and you begin to realize this guy might be a guy and that guy might be a dude. Like he's got 
absolute thunder in his bat. Like it's not gallo thunder, but it's not that far off. It's it's unbelievable to watch the places he can poke some of these balls. I'll give you a, a more detailed example. And I wish I had this swing on video, but it was raining and I wanted to protect my cameras. But uh, it's uh, bottom, of the, bottom of the ninth to seventh. I think it was a doubleheader. They're down by one. They'd just given up. Their clothes were just given up like three runs to blow the lead. He comes up first pitch, flicks his wrists and hits it on a line out to center field. Bomb. That and if you've never been to Zebulon, it's not just center field. There's an elevated wall in center field. You have to get it over that. So he hit it high enough on a line over that wall, just maybe a little bit to the left of center. It was just like you stopped and your your jaw kind of unhinged. Like, oh my goodness, he he can do that when he wants to do that. It was almost like I'm going to tie this game. It's a shame I'm not hitting second in this order because I would win this game if I had the opportunity. He just willed it to happen. And then you see it over and over again, and again you look up, and he's he's tied for the minor league league in triples. He's got three triples in his last two nights. He's got the most extra base hits in the minor leagues. He can run. He made an incredible throw from center field the other day. He's got a lot of what you want to see, and he's certainly got my attention, and I know he's got actual scouts' attention too. So that's a guy who's kind of popped up on you that there was really no way of putting – really high on our radars before the season because he had like 60 games entering the season and he was a 2018 draft pick injuries pandemic just general developmental uh stalling uh and i'll say it again development is not linear development is not linear it doesn't happen for everyone the same way it happens for some of these mutants that we're getting to the big leagues sometimes it takes a while and for him it seems to have taken a while but that's a reason i and a lot of people in the industry bet on tools Am I going to miss a lot? You bet. Am I? But when I hit, am I going to hit big? Darn right. Give an example the other way. Spencer. Anyway, that's a long rant. Number one pick in the draft last year. Spencer Torkelson, Tigers first baseman slash third baseman. I'll still say first baseman uh, long term. But Spencer Torkelson has not set the world on fire in his first month. It's gotten better, but come... Come May 30th, Spencer Torkelson was hitting 235, 370, excuse me, 379, 397. Well, that's not great. Spencer Torkelson has hit, you know, as of today, again, he's having a better June, but as of today, as we record this, he's hit four home runs in 27 games. He's slugging 463. That's fine. And by the way, also, I will note West Michigan, not exactly a fun place to hit for hitters especially early in the season that said Dylan Dingler, also a 2020 draft pick for the Tigers has been hitting very well. Also a college guy coming in. You know, coming and let's in also say we started our season in May. So we did get to avoid one month of the, yes. uh, the coldness up in that general region. Yes. So I don't make nearly as much of that as I do in normal times, but yeah, the point is he started slow and it's kind of taking it up a little bit. Right. But the thing about it is, is we didn't, we didn't move Spencer Torkelson. Number one overall guy. But we didn't move Spencer Torkelson, really. We didn't move him. So on top 100, he's pretty much, we said, (laughs) we're giving him the first month. You know, and when I say we're giving him the first month, what we're saying is, is we don't want to significantly react. We have not heard necessarily, you know, oh, Spencer Torkelson looks lost in high A. We're not hearing that. But beyond that, even if we did, it'd be like, okay, 
we have enough track record here in the past. There is a long track record that Spencer Torkelson is one of the best bats wherever he's ever been going back to high school. Well, with that being the case, we are confident that Spencer Torkelson is going to be still the guy that we thought he's going to be. So he doesn't move. We heard it like we were getting questions in the chat about Adley Rushman the first couple weeks of the season. What's wrong with Adley Rushman? It's like, there's nothing wrong with Adley Rushman. Adley Rushman's really good. We didn't move Adley Rushman. Adley Rushman now is basically, you know, he had a first week or two that wasn't statistically very loud, but here he is. And Adley Rushman's Adley Rushman, which is one of the best players in the league he's in, as he has been in pretty much every league he's played in for many, many years. So you don't want to overreact to things like that. But at the same time, you also don't want to underreact. And I'm going to ask you about someone that I, we don't want to underreact about. But before that, we're going to stop for a quick break. We'll be right back here on the Baseball America podcast. And we're back. So Josh, we, all, we don't want to overreact. We don't want to underreact. I feel confident in saying that there's a certain catcher that you believe in who a month from now, when we have our mid-season top 100 update, where it's a much more significant, we, we, we make even more movement. We talk to more people because it's also the time that we're putting together our mid-season top 30s and all that. I think there's a catcher who's going to be climbing significantly higher on this list in a month. Is that a fair thing to say? Oh, yeah. Without question, the best reviews of any player I've gotten on the minor leagues this year, and it's probably in a while that I didn't expect it. It was not, you know, Acuna or anything, but Gabriel Moreno with the Blue Jays. That guy, based on what I'm hearing from scouts, has the, the word stud written on him in 72-point font, all caps, underlined, bolded. That guy has a case. And I think right now, I think I would, if I were to rank the Blue Jays system myself, I'd put him as their number one prospect. And I think I'd have agreement from people inside their organization. He is a player who can hit. He can hit for power. He has aptitude and he has attitude and he can play on both sides of the ball. He can throw, he can defend. There are some finer points of his game that need to be ironed out. They're certainly minor at this point, but the scouting heat coming out of there, and these people are not employed by the Blue Jays, are extraordinarily high on this young man. And I mean, let's put it this way. Uh, I have rostered him in a fantasy league, and I cannot put him in a minor league. So I have to put, hold him on my roster until he comes to the big leagues. And that is how much I am willing to keep him away from the 15 other teams in my league. <laughs> and I also own Abdi Rutschman and Tyler Soderstrom. So I have catching nailed down. But this is how much I believe in that guy. I've only done it once before, and that was Fernando Tatis. Uh, so I'm betting all of my fantasy marbles on Gabriel Moreno right now. Uh, not that I have a whole lot to uh, bet. Given so so what is it that stands out? Everything. The fact that he's doing this, he can hit. He can hit for power. He does it all the time. It's just that people are going in there and saying, this is a major league-ready product right now. So is he big league-ready defensively? Yeah, more or less. Like he can block, he can throw, he can receive, he can do a lot, all those things. But right now he needs to work on maybe commanding a pitching staff. That might be the biggest issue if you bring him to the big leagues. He can, you know, he might not necessarily have the confidence to, you know, work with big league veterans just yet. 
So that's that's there, there are some things like I wouldn't bring him up myself, but I bet you you see him in Toronto or Buffalo or wherever at some point this year uh, in the big leagues. Like, and now the Blue Jays have a very enviable catching situation right now, uh, at least in the minor leagues. And you have Danny Jansen, you have Reese McGuire in the big leagues. You have uh, Alejandro Kirk, who is hurt, unfortunately, but he's you know a pretty darn good prospect when he's healthy. Riley Adams, we gave him the best power prospect in their system. He's certainly no slouch. And then you have Gabriel Moreno, who is just the latest in these line of tw- some 20-something-year-old kids who are coming up and making very loud noises at a very young age. Uh, we, we had him on the fringes of the top 100 coming into there, like in, in May or whenever we released our first one, uh, April. And he's all the way up to, where is he now, at 35 or something. Uh, to just that kind of tells you how big of a jump he's made, 36. 36. And he'll probably make even a bigger jump uh, come the next update when it's going to be a much bigger update. Like though, the update that we released recently isn't intended to be a shake them up and start over kind of ranking. It's supposed to be little tweaks, but the nature of the last two year or year and a half, whatever, uh, has necessitated some fairly large movement in fairly quick order, you know? Well, and this thing about it is, is, is that, there's the reality of it is, is that, again, when we talk about the overreact, underreact, you also really don't want to underreact because players have had now two years almost since we last saw them in games that count, games that the statistics will be recorded in perpetuity, not in statistics that will be recorded and have already been forgotten. Because right now, if you asked a team, I, I don't even know if they'd tell you what someone off-site numbers were. I'm sure they could look them up, but no one cares. These games count. Um, and and when you talk about a guy like Moreno, when you talk about a guy like Joe Gray Jr., like you pointed out, like Joe Gray Jr. was a premium prospect, you know, draft prospect. I mean, he was not someone who slid under the radar. I, I was hearing right. about Joe Gray Jr., I think, when he was a rising sophomore. I remember talking to him. I want to say as a rising junior at Under Armour, or maybe it was rising senior. You know, I mean, this was a guy who was a premium prospect, draft prospect. It's taken a little longer, but at the same time, if you talk about where Joe Gray Jr. is right now compared to where he was last offseason, last offseason, you didn't have anything to go on. Now we have something to go on. What we know is to go on is, is that he's because Joe Gray Jr. has always had tools. But that doesn't matter that much unless you're starting to see some production with them too. It's those both are are part of the picture. Well, we are seeing the production now, again, in games that count. We also, Josh, have a new number one pitching prospect in the game. And I think you're getting ready to actually go see him uh, next week, hopefully. But mm-hmm. uh, but we've watched, a, you know, we talked to a lot of people about him. We've watched him a lot. Uh, the good thing, as, as if you listen to this, you probably know that I watch a lot of MILB TV. Um, and the great thing about it is, is I think most every start he's had this year, most everyone have been able to watch so far. What, what is it? Who is our number one prospect, uh, pitching prospect in the game and why? I, I guess would be the way I put it. Drum roll, please. It is the Orioles right-hander Grayson Rodriguez. And we have been hearing for a while now that he has the earmarks of a potential number one. Um, you know, recently, it's a couple of years ago, an evaluator told me that he was the only one, only pitching prospect in the entire minor leagues 
that he put an A ceiling on. As an ace, A-C-E, not an eight, but either way, same thing. Uh, and now he's starting to show it. He's got looseness to his delivery. He's got blow-away pitches. He's got command. He's got control. He's got swag. He's got pretty much everything you'd want. And right now, the Orioles are doing a pretty good job developing pitching prospects. It sounds like my, uh, my Huckleberry in that system, Ophelki Peralta, starting to starting to show it a little bit. But you got him. You got Deal Hall. You got interesting pop-up guy Kyle Bradish. Uh, you've got you know, all sorts of dudes that are in that system that are really intriguing. But Rodriguez is the clear number one, and he gets the pitch to Adley Rutschman every sixth day now. So he's he's really intriguing, and also part of it beyond what anything Rodriguez has done this year. There's been a lot of pitchers who were ahead of him in the uh, in the original ranking that have kind of gone backward or have not pitched at all. Sixto Sanchez hasn't thrown a pitch that counted this year. He's got the shoulder dig and he just keeps having setbacks. Nate Pearson has taken a step back and been injured. And I heard a scout the other day say like he is the definition of vanilla right now. Uh, there's probably some other guys I'm forgetting. Uh, Kopech is the next one. He's very close to graduating as it is. Spencer Howard has kind of been up and down, literally up and down from Lehigh and uh, Philly. So there's been a lot of guys who've gone a little bit backward too, but that's not to take anything away from Grayrod, who has been as dominating as you could possibly want in a pitching prospect. And it's not really stopped in double A where he, this is his first test of the upper levels. And yes, hopefully if I have everything counted right and rain and blah, 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 all that good stuff, I will see his next turn in Bowie. I'm hoping it's Tuesday. It lines up to be Tuesday. So there's that. Uh, but yeah, he's our number one pitching prospect, and I don't expect that to change. But and you know, I didn't expect this much change to begin with. <laughs> and again, that is the cautionary tale: is is that we have seen like the there, there's the jump to the major leagues with pitchers. It's a big jump. Jackson Coar found that out this week. It's a big jump. Jackson Coar was dominating AAA. He comes to the majors. It's like, whoa, this is tougher. Uh, I've had scouts recently too. put it to me as it's a chasm you know it's a chasm from triple a to big leagues but and on top of that jump off that for a second there's i had someone tell me the other day like triple a this year isn't triple a it's like double a right now because of the way things are organized so it might not even be the same if you go from triple a to the big leagues you might not be going from air quotes here on a podcast triple a to the big leagues you might be going from a lower level of competition than you would normally see in triple a years to the big league, which is still the big leagues. But beyond that, there's also just the the difficulty that is staying healthy and pitching in the major leagues. And that's a, a key attribute of, of long-term big league success. And I hope that this is not the case with Sixto Sanchez, but Sixto Sanchez has, you know, one of the things that was always a concern within the minors was just durability and health. And here we are, he's, he's facing it again. And you just, you pointed out, Nate Pearson, Nate Pearson, some of those injuries have been fluky. Uh, you getting hit by a comebacker is fluky. But at the same time, Nate Pearson has struggled to show that he can maintain his stuff over the course of a full season, going back throughout the entirety of his pro career. So, you know, that's, those are absolutely factors that that play into kind of the evaluations and all. So, I'll put you on the spot, Josh, 
and this is the part that people probably really enjoy on the podcast of who is someone who didn't make the hundred this month, but you expect to see on the hundred a month from now. Ooh, well, or I've in the next Joe month. Gray. I've mentioned Joe Gray. I think that would be my. I don't my think picks. Joe Gray will be in it a month from now. I'll tell you that right now. Too far, too far, yes, too far there, away there coming some, into the year. There are certainly some variables there. Uh, for example, he gets to face Kannapolis infinity times. Uh, so that, that is an issue. I mean, quite seriously, what you have some, in some cases is you get to face the same team over and over and over again. For example, uh, Brooklyn will face, I think, for the rest of the year, no team other than Hudson Valley, Aberdeen, and one other, just one more, At Hudson Valley, Aberdeen, and Wilmington. I think those are the three opponents they're going to face the entire season. And that's because of COVID reorganization and saving on travel and all that. So you're going to get real familiar with some of these arms, and real familiar with some of these players. So that could be advantageous a couple ways. But if you see a guy feasting on certain pitching, well, because he sees them all the time and has a book on them. Uh, that would be one of my picks. Let's see, who else would I would I pick? Hmm. Well, I'm going to defer to you. I'll, while you're thinking of one, I'll give you one that I could see. Okay. Um, Jordan Westberg with the with the Orioles. Um, yeah, I'm not one. saying he's going to be on it in a month, but he was a guy who who got good reviews coming out. He was a you know solid draft prospect, lit up low A, but at the same time, I'll tell you right now, lighting up low A as a first round pick coming out of the SEC is kind of like, okay, good job, congratulations. But yes, that's exactly what you should do because the difference between you know, he was probably in many cases facing guys who were a little younger than what he was facing when he was in the SEC. But now he's in high A. It hasn't slowed down yet at all. Again, I'm not saying he's going to be on the next, uh, you know, next month's 100, but it also wouldn't shock me at all if he was. And that's to me an example of a guy who you're like, okay, we, we need to see the, you know, just see him do it. And so far he's doing it. Uh, other guys who might, I might consider when they get healthy, uh, Jordan Adams with the Angels, if he gets healthy enough. Same idea with Kyron Paris with the Angels. He was a guy who was making some noise in minor league spring training. Those are two guys I would think of. Uh, Reed Det just keep with the Angels. Reed Detmers with the Angels, who's doing pretty well in double uh, A. I think he had like 10 strikeouts in his last start. Uh, he's doing decently well there. So all those guys would be well, guys I would consider. I don't know why and I you're going angels, but you're, you're going to see someone else that could be on there in a month, which is oh, yeah, uh, Jake Eater. Yes. Before I go to Bowie, Maryland, I'm going tomorrow morning. I'm driving to Chattanooga, Tennessee to see on Friday. I start assuming the weather plays nice. Max Meyer versus Hunter Green. It's a decent pitching matchup. And then the next day, Nick Lodolo versus Jake Eater. It's also a decent pitching matchup. Um, Jake Eater is the Marlins fifth round pick out of last year's five round draft. And he's out of Vanderbilt and he was getting some noise in spring training for being look, looking pretty good. And so far he's looked really good. I believe his, his ERA is like 0.63 or something right now. He's like allowed like two runs all year and he's doing it in double A as a pro debut. And not just he's putting up stats, you know, having watched several of his starts. I mean, this is a guy who it's impressive it's it's very impressive to watch how he's doing it now he's not doing it with 
blow you away stuff, but he is doing it with solid stuff. And as you noted, uh, to do that in double A in your pro debut does really stand out. That's something significant. So I, I, mean, I think Brandon, he's, the, the SEC, the SEC is like high A and a half, but you know, it's, it's, it's double A and he and Meyer are both thriving in double A in their first pro year. Yeah. They had alternate site time and instructs and all that, but this is their first time that it's counted since, you know, uh, their college seasons and they're doing really well. I mean, it kind of keeps the his the, the recent history of the Marlins being aggressive. I mean, JJ Blade went from Vandy to the college world series to high a without skipping a beat. But I mean, and you know, it, it is, it's the thing with eater that also stands out is, is, is okay. It was a fifth round pick. Well, one of the reasons of the fifth round pick, and this is the kind of the Vanderbilt does an exceptional job of developing pitchers. They really do. One of the things is though, is, is that they have an amazing number of arms every year. And I, you know, maybe Jake Eater was a little bit kind of lost in the shuffle there because they did need him to be a Friday starter. They had one of those, his name's Kumar Rocker. They didn't need him to be a Saturday starter. They had one of those, his name is Jack Leiter. These are two of the top five to, I mean, if those guys will not be both on the, you know, either they'll both go in the top 10 picks this year. And we also had the shortened season last year. So we didn't even get a chance for Jake Eater to show over the course of a full college season, what he can do. So when we talk about that, we're trying to both not overreact, but also not underreact. Jake Eater is another perfect example of this because you are, you don't want to overreact to, to what he's doing. He's had a great start, but at the same time, you also say we have, less information we had less information coming into this year than we normally have so does that make the first month plus what we heard from spring training more valuable than it is in the case of someone who you would see over the course of a normal year so uh, you know again the the shorthand version of this is is that we are looking forward to having a minor league season continue on because i feel like even a month from now if we're doing another one of these podcasts, which we'll probably be doing, and to be honest, if we're doing this podcast a month from now, this will be us on our uh, futures game slash prospect pad preview because the futures game is, we're recording this on June 10th. The futures game will be a month from tomorrow, uh, you know, as we record this. And even by that point, two months of data, two months of guys making adjustments improvements, struggles, all those things are going to be massively valuable this year in a way that they are not, they're always valuable, but they're more valuable this year than they are in a normal year. And that's why, I, you know, again, it's, there's a lot of stuff going on. This is, this is the time of year where there's no sleep, but it's no sleep for a fun reason, which is we have NCAA regionals now going into super regionals followed by Omaha. We have a draft, which is also a month from tomorrow. We are finishing up writing our reports for the top 500. We're finishing up our draft preview issue of the magazine. We're figuring up, we're finishing up a, a nice surprise we have coming with more draft coverage than we've ever had before coming up in the next couple of weeks. And we will be doing state list all that on draft. But at the same time, you know, this is Josh is traipsing all over everywhere because why? Because he's getting to see- I can. 
you can. And which, by the way, let me just tell you right now, as someone who talks to Josh regularly, you know, the, the, the Josh world is always better when Josh can be, uh, you know, going, spending a lot of nights at uh, ballparks, seeing players. Yes, is that I mean, well, let, let me, let me put it this way. I'll, I'll just lay out. I've kind of given hints of what I'm doing in the next couple of weeks. So tomorrow I'm going to Chattanooga and I'm hope I'm staying there Friday, Saturday. And if anything goes a wonky Sunday uh, to get those guys, then I'm coming home for a day and I'm going to Bowie, Maryland to see, uh, Grayson Rodriguez. Grayson Rodriguez. And, and then <laughs> and Adley Rushman. <laughs> and Adley Rushman and Tyler Freeman in this case, because they're playing Akron. Uh, and then I'm going from there to Wilmington, Delaware, because why not? You're like two hours away. And I'm going to see three days ish of uh, Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty and Ronnie Mauricio. And if I've done it right, I will match them up against Cade Cavalli and uh, some of their other arms. And that's that's that. And if I'm really feeling frisky, I might try to bounce up the Somerset from there and get Oswald Peraza, who is a guy in the Yankee system who has some serious helium. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so, and you say serious helium, but he's already in the top 10. So there's not, not that much helium, but he's a good player. He's a really good player. And he's going to be bandied about as uh, the Yankees try to improve their roster at some point here. Then um, we're, we're going to do that. And then when I come home, I think I'll probably spend a couple of days at the player development pipeline uh, draft combine that's here in Cary, taking video and doing whatever. And then I'm going home to Oregon where to see my family for the first time in a bajillion years. And then while I'm there, I'm seeing a ton of Northwest League. Yeah, that's right. Northwest League action, high A West League action, uh, where I'm very surprised Julio Rodriguez is still there. I thought he was going to go to the, the very cliche Everett Washington to Port St. Lucie, Florida, to uh, Arkansas travel route. That's everyone's normal flight plan. But he's back in Everett, and I'm going to see them two games against Eugene. I'm going to see probably seven games of Hillsborough and seven games of Eugene. I think Spokane's going to be in there. Uh, and then from there, you go to Denver, and you see the Futures game. And then I come home, and, well, I'll see if my house is still here. And, you know. and by the way, during that also, we'll have the uh, MLB draft 11, 12th, and 13th of July. And then we'll be rolling out top 30 prospect lists for all 30 teams. And and those are going to look different, my friends. <laughs> and, and I don't, and again, I, I, if I think about it too much, I, I may uh, start, uh, you know, like wondering, questioning, like, will I ever see my family again, even though I'm working from home and in the same house <laughs> with them? Um, and, and again, I'm looking forward to making a trip to uh, hopefully maybe five teams and five five cities and five nights or seven cities and seven nights to basically do something on the first year of the new the new normal when it comes to not just the minors but minors partner leagues draft leagues Summerwood bat all these things yeah. and so that's coming up for me post futures game so it's a very busy summer <laughs> at Baseball America it always is but I will tell you right now at some point. At some point, I want to get down to the complex leagues. I don't know when. I've kind of dug a hole for myself. It's first time running out going. But I would like to get down there and see, you know, the next Gabriel Moreno before he becomes Gabriel Moreno trademark copyright, you know, uh, brand name. Uh, and also the Florida State League to see what that looks like. I've heard. The low way southeast. For punishment. I am. All I've heard. That's right. The low way southeast. The Lissle. Uh, I've heard 
it's terrible. You know, it's awful to watch because the the boss, the, the robo umps uh, made the games extremely long. The competition is very weird. You've got guys who definitely shouldn't be there for what for because they're too advanced, and guys who definitely shouldn't be there because they're not advanced enough. In this weird mishmash Frankenstein of rosters, uh, but you know, I'm not here for aesthetics or great baseball. I'm here to find the next guy. So I don't. That doesn't concern me. I'll sweat my skin off for four hours if I have to to see that guy. I'm driving seven hours each way to, to Chattanooga. I think it's. I can sit for four hours of an FSL and. Uh, a low way southeast game we're not complaining uh, it's great to be busy because <laughs> last year we didn't have base we were busy but we didn't have baseball to be busy with and we love being busy with baseball and, and the key thing about that is is that we thank you baseball america subscriber because that's what that's what allows us to be busy that's what you know you are the ones who are supporting what we're doing hopefully enjoying all the content that we're pouring out if you check it out at baseball america right now if you are care about the super regionals and look, if you love baseball, I don't know how you don't. I, if, if Monday night, last Monday, if you love baseball, I don't know how you couldn't enjoy the super regional where you saw Arkansas come from behind and, and advance. Number one, Arkansas uh, in our rankings come by, come, come, come from behind and advance to the super regionals. We're going to have super regionals all weekend. We've got super regional previews up. If you check it out, I, Speaking of losing sleep, I was having too much fun going deep diving on all 16 teams to kind of give kind of interesting how you would try to effectively advance scout those series. Like how would you attack the best hitter? How would you attack the best pitcher? Things like that. So check that out. You got, we have coaches who are doing analysis of, uh, you know, scouting all the teams as well. You got the top hundred that is up, the new top hundred prospects list that is up to check out at baseballamerica.com. You also next week will have, we're going to 500 and we'll have 500 draft reports up next week, tools grades for everyone and BA grades for everyone in the top 200. And then we're going to do state list. I mean, our goal is, Hey, they cut it to 20 rounds. That's only 630 ish players that are drafted. We plan to have reports on all 630. And then we plan to have reports on guys who, you know, are going to go to partner leagues and we're going to have guys who are going to get signed on non-drafted free agents. We'll have reports on a lot of those guys too. There's a monster amount of coverage at baseballamerica.com right now. And so with that, we will have, you know, we'll keep it coming because as Josh just laid out, it's not slowing down for several, several months. And that's a good thing. You know, that's, 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 that's the very good thing, isn't it, Josh? Number one, there is one way you didn't enjoy regionals last week. And that is if you uh, rooted for some of the teams that have lost uh, in, in heartbreaking fashion uh, on a balk of all things, if you stayed up till that hour of the night to watch your team lose in that fashion, then no, you did not enjoy it. For if I were to take off the green and yellow glasses, then yes, that was a good baseball game. If if I put them back on, there was a lot of swear words being said in this house, <laughs> a very loud <laughs> volume and a very bad time of night. Uh, but two, at the time, uh, at this time last year, I was sitting here, probably the same place I am podcasting with JJ, staring out my window, wondering why in the heck the birds are not coming to my feeder and then going for walks around my neighborhood. I was driving myself insane for a couple different reasons. Now I'm driving myself insane because I'm literally going to be in the car driving myself insane, going to baseball games to see, like I said, Hunter Green, Max Meyer, Jake Eater, uh, Nick Lodolo, 
uh, Grayson Rodriguez, Francisco Alvarez, Bet Beatty, Brett Beatty, Ronnie Mauricio, Cade Cavalli for a second time, and if I get a you know a, a chance, Oswald Peraza, and if it winds up Luis Heel, you know, guys, I'm going to see some guys, and then go to the other side of the country and see Julio Rodriguez and Ryan Nelson, go Ducks, and Dre Jameson and Connor Grammis and whoever else, uh, Patrick Bailey and Will Wilson and whoever else is on these teams, please promote Luis Matos and Kyle Harrison to the, to the, the Emeralds before then. That won't happen, but, you know, a boy can dream. Uh, all these guys in all that short amount of time, there's going to be a PDP league, and I'd like to get out to this the new Appy League and see some sweet, sweet sock puppets and otterbots and whistle pigs and fly boys and river turtles and actual good minor league names. And I, I, here's my favorite... <laughs> My favorite Appy League note. So a bunch of years ago, decades ago, Urban Meyer briefly played in the Appy League. There is a young man in this Appy League this year named Ryan Day. Now, it is not Ryan Day, the Ohio State coach, but I think it's pretty hilarious that there is a guy named Ryan Day in the same league where Urban Meyer plays. And homered, by the way, off of Jim Morris, the freaking rookie. Yep. He has one career pro home run. Teddy uh, Cahill, our national college writer, and I have long jokes that we would go through microfiche and you know uh subject guys to robert muller style interrogations to find out who he hit that home run off of but somebody in some newspaper in some part of the country did our research for us and found out it was jim morris the rookie which is almost as cool as jacob de grom's one career home run coming off of chris sale uh, when he was a pitch pitch uh, uh almost but I, I i find I that cooler, cooler. Yeah. I, they're, they're pretty even but, in, in my books. But anyway, that's my schedule for the next week, couple of weeks or so, month, whatever it is. And these guys are going to be grinding on draft. I, I wish and I don't wish that you guys could see the level of insanity that is in our, our database folder. Or we call it White Rock. That's uh, just some historical references to BA there. Uh, the level of detail and information that is in there for draft stuff is absurd um it's absolutely absurd and the draft team headed by carlos colazzo and with a lot of help from other uh, other people here is insanity um it's and that's in a good way the depth of information these guys have on these players is unrivaled i think just going through there it i i, I kind of black out for a second when i'm just editing reports you guys don't even know how hard these guys are working behind the scenes. The only I'm thing like I'll share with you. The only one is, is I'm like the only one who doesn't really touch the draft much outside from some editing here and there. Maybe Matt Eddy too, but these guys are killing it. And, and these guys and gal, Alexis Brudnicki is helping us a lot this year. She's killing it too. And that's a perfect way to wrap it up. I'll just say with that, that the uh, craziness is, is that, uh, it's always a, a momentous moment when our scout notes for the draft top 200,000 words, and we are over that now. You In the morning when I get up and reload the document, I have to make sure that I open it and then kind of wander off for a little while because it takes a lot of load. So, But for Josh Norris, I'm JJ Cooper. Thank you again for the download. If you want to hear more Baseball America podcasts, make sure you're subscribed on whatever your favorite podcast catcher is, whether that's on iTunes, whether that's on Stitcher, whether that's Podcast Addict. I think I'm the only one, you know, always say that because I am. I'm a Podcast Addict guy. But uh, for Josh, I'm JJ. So long, everybody.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.